A popular outcast production. Today's date is November 9th, and this is our 33rd episode. I'm Kevin Seibert, and with me is... Mark Matters. And Emrys Smith. Emrys, how are you doing? I am doing great. Are you drinking anything tonight? I have some uh, English breakfast tea. Ooh, it's like my Mm. favorite. Does that make you talk in a British accent, too? Evidently not. (laughs) Mm. I had to stop. It was becoming a problem. Are you playing anything that isn't for the show? I've been playing nothing new. Same as last time, Beyond Earth. Civilization Beyond Earth has been occupying my time. Question of the week. Emrys, what is your go-to karaoke song? I have a few go-to karaoke songs, but my number one is Deep Blue Something, Breakfast at Tiffany's. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, I love that song, and it's easy to sing. And people love it, they sing along, and it's not very repetitive, and it's short. So it makes Mm. a good karaoke song. See, you know what it takes to be a good performer at karaoke. You don't want to take a long time, so you don't want to pick Stairway to Heaven. And you don't want to pick anything super, super mellow and depressing, because people either stop paying attention or they get bored or whatever. So that's actually a pretty good pick. Unless you're really bringing it, you'll lose people. My yeah. my other go-to, one of my other favorites is Huey Lewis in the News, Power of Love. Oh, damn. That always makes me think of Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah, as it should. Mark, how are you doing? I'm okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded a little sarcastic. Did I, for, did I forget your birthday or something? <laughs> no. No, I just, I don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> After 33 episodes, still don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> Thirty-four years. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you have a potent potable this evening? I do. I specifically went out and bought this because I knew we were going to be recording soon. This is, let me get the name right, from Robinson's Brewery out of, well, somewhere in England. It's The Trooper. And let me tell you about The Trooper. The Trooper is a premium British beer inspired by Iron Maiden, the band, and handcrafted at Robinson's Brewery. Being a real ale enthusiast, vocalist Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden has developed a beer with true depth of character, malt flavors, citric notes from a unique blend of Bobeck, Goldings, and Cascade hops dominate this deep golden ale. Does it also give you a fear of the dark? (laughs) Well done. Um, No, but I mean, the bottle's amazing. It's got the trooper right there on it from, you know, classic Iron Maiden album. Nice. What are you playing that's not for the show? Nothing. Because the game that I was playing sort of for the show, but not really, because you're reviewing it, has taken all my time. It's the only thing I've been playing. Yeah, I hear that. Question of the week. What is your get- go-to karaoke song? 
I've only done karaoke once in my life. Twice, sorry. Twice in my life, but... I was there oh. for one of them. Yeah, that was my first time ever. Ten years ago, wow. It has become, since, in the one time since, Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. Nice. Because it's it's energetic, a lot of people know it, and I get to howl and stuff, yeah. so works out pretty nicely. But I am messing around with, just in case eventually another karaoke night comes up, a little journey song called Don't Stop Believing." That's a popular choice. It is. It, is it? Yeah, but I don't know if anyone <laughs> can hit those high notes like I can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tonight, I am drinking a Wachusett Brewery Green Monster IPA. Ooh. You can only buy it in Massachusetts, so don't go looking for that in your grocery store. Is that why it's called Monster? That's exactly why. It's a lot maltier than your average IPA is, but don't let that deter you because it has something like 58 IBUs. Yeah, well, uh, what have you been playing? Well, I've been playing Fantasy Life, and at this point I have, I believe I said 44 hours into it. Yeah. I've done my job in Fantasy Life, <laughs> and I've even put in some overtime. <laughs> you know, for a forty for a forty four hour work week. Yeah. Yeah. Like most American jobs these days, I don't get paid for overtime. Well, question of the week, your go to karaoke song. I also have two. The first one is Hey Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Little con- little confession here. Hmm? I love the Gin Blossoms. This is coming from a guy who listens to Iron Maiden and punk rock bands and the like. I think the Jim Blossoms are pretty rad. I think so, too. Like, they're one of those bands that, like, I feel like I should hate, but I can't. They're completely non-threatening, and they're catchy, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, and that Hey Jealousy song is, like, in my perfect vocal range, I sort of feel like a rock star. There you go. Yeah, yeah. The The other song, well, it tends to rotate a little bit, but it tends to be anything on the karaoke list from Weezer's Blue or Pinkerton albums. Yeah. And it work it works out because uh, at a recent Min Mom we um, some of the performers did roasts of the other performers. Okay. And I, I wish that he'd actually gone through with this because I thought it was really good. But I guess he didn't want to do it do it for some reason. But Mike Carpenter's roast of me was going to be that Kevin Seibert was picked on a lot in high school and then he formed Weezer. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. So are we ready to get started on reviews? Yeah, Emrys, would you mind going first? No, no problem. So the game that I'm reviewing is called Waking Mars, which is a pretty cool game about a Martian explorer named Lieg and his journey deep into the chasms of Mars. The way the game progresses is you go spelunking down into these caves underneath Mars and you have to find seeds and plant them to open up further chambers. The striking thing about the game is definitely the art and the aesthetics, which are remarkable. The music, particularly, is quite good. I frequently find that I don't have the stomach for, like, indie game music. 
because it tends to be repetitive or like droning. But the music in Waking Mars is quite good and very atmospheric, so it pulls you right into the to the setting in a big hurry. The other thing I want to call out is the voice acting, which is really surprisingly strong. You don't see a lot of voice acting in indie games because it's really hard to do effectively. Mostly you have your little group of friends who are programmers and notably not voice actors. Yeah. But they pull it off pretty well. Glieg will have contact with the base of operations, and that's where the storytelling happens in little cutscenes. Normally, cutscenes can be a big distraction from a game. They pull you out of the moment and like make you do processing, but the, they're spaced out pretty well in this game, and they, they're really like, since the voice acting is so strong, they're not a distraction at all. What will happen is you'll be spelunking through the caves and you'll come across a new form of life. There is one thing about the voice acting that's obnoxious, which is there's a computer sidekick that you have called Art. And Art will chime in and be like, new, new life form detected. (laughs) And yeah, in that voice, exactly. Early on, the characters are like, well, tell us about this, Art. And then later on, as it gets further into the game, they're like, Art, do you have any, like, vocal settings? (laughs) Like, can I turn you off? (laughs) Is that possible? Nice of them to acknowledge it. Yeah. And so the, the majority of the storytelling happens between Lig and the home base. Art will chime in and be like, new form of life detected. And then they're like, well, you probably need to plant this thing. Or, that looks scary. What it gradually is revealed to you is that there was this robotic probe called Octo that went down into the caves first. And Octo started leaving pieces of himself behind. And it's not really clear why. At first you're like, oh, I'm just exploring this caves for the shit of it. Because I'm an explorer. (laughs) But then you start getting really invested in what happened to Octo. And, like, why is it taking, like, these video cameras and leaving them behind? Like, what's going on? The game is a puzzle game, primarily consisting of trying to open up the door to the next level. And the way that you do that is you pick these seeds up from the environment, and then you plant them in fertile soil around the, the area where you're at. And after you plant a certain amount of biomass, the door to the next area opens up. And different plants are worth different amount of biomass, and some of the plants are dangerous. So if you plant them, then you have to worry about running into them later. But, like, the dangerous plants are worth the most biomass. So to quickly, like, move on to the next area, you kind of have to make choices about, do I plant this seed so I can get healing? Do I plant a different seed? so that I can get more seeds. It's not terribly challenging, necessarily. When you get more different kinds of seeds, it becomes more interesting. Then there are there will give you little challenges like you don't have enough seeds to completely fill up an area, so you have to feed seeds to these little animals that are running around who then reproduce. The seeds feed the little monsters, and the monsters then shed off this, like cocoon and then the cocoon hatches into another little monster and the little monsters don't seem to be dangerous they just run away from you the game has a lot of really interesting animations and little atmospheric things that are are neat like you'll be walking along and you'll like knock over a stalagmite 
or you'll be flying around on the ceiling and you'll hit something and it'll fall. I like those little touches. Yeah, it really makes it feel like an environment that you're inhabiting. And the little monsters will run away from you when you get close, and they'll, like, leap to another wall if you corner them. It feels pretty organic, which is neat, because that's the whole theme of the game, is the organicness of the environment that you're in. The art is very good at conveying that. Like, in addition to the little touches, the animations are really solid. Your character is a tiny little astronaut man who flies around with a jetpack. You'll, like, crawl around sometimes if you're going through a narrow area, and, like, the walking animation is pretty cool. It's all very fluid. It's nice, is what (laughs) I'm trying to say. Now it makes sense. Yes. I liked that it was very relaxing. There were dangerous places. There would be acid pools with dripping acid from the ceiling. You take a lot of damage whenever you take damage. Like, you have a pretty small health bar. But you you can plant healing plants that restore your health. It was never very tense, but you did have to kind of watch out to make sure that you didn't get annihilated. I did die once. It's kind of a dramatic death animation, like your little guy turns black and everything goes into slow motion and you fall deep into the pits of Mars. And then you just restart at a checkpoint. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I like that it was relaxing. It makes you want to spend your time in this little environment. It doesn't make the stakes seem too low? There's enough of a hassle in going back to a checkpoint that... It's not too low at all. Death can be, it can be too punishing sometimes if you are penalized and forced to repeat a section. You know what I mean? You mean like Mega Man? <laughs> yes. I, I blame that series for why I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really cool, atmospheric. The environment art is beautiful. It's not dramatic. It's just really well textured and enjoyable to look at. And the lighting, their neat little lighting effects, I think it's quite good. The game is developed by Tiger Style, and you can find it on the um, Google Play Store for $2. Ah, damn. Yeah. It's good for a low-key puzzle game with an interesting story and excellent voice acting. That's actually pretty rare. Yeah, that is really surprising in a mobile game. At first, I heard the voice acting, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Um... (laughs) They're talking now, but even the annoying computer sidekick is well-written enough with the little quips about him that none of it was obnoxious, and the acting was nuanced. I have mixed feelings about voice acting being used in mobile and portable video games, because depending on where I am, like if I advance the plot, I might not be able to listen to it. This has subtitles. Oh, that's good. It's not all about the voice acting. It's not really a mobile game that you play in line at the grocery store. You would want to have time to enjoy what you're doing. Sure. So this game is also available on the iOS App Store for $1.99, along with Tiger Style's other two games, Spider Hornet Smash and Spider The Secret of Bryce Manor. It looks like they had a whole Spider series going. I see Spider The Secret of Bryce Manor on Google Play. Maybe I'll have to look into that for my next game review. I give Waking Mars... You know, for the voice acting, I'm going to give it five alien plants out of five. Wow. It's not my first perfect score. It's rare. It's definitely earned it. I think the voice acting particularly puts it over the top. It is nice when somebody puts, like, a little extra attention on production values. Yeah. That means a lot to me, particularly in an indie mobile game, where the gamut can run from poor user interface 
too ghastly overall. When when they do do voice acting, a lot of the time it's hammy and overdone. Even in AAA games, you know. Speaking of high production values, I have a, a game here. It's called Warhammer 40,000, or Warhammer 40K, whatever you nerds call it, Space Wolf. <laughs> it's developed by HeroCraft LTD, and it is free to play on the iOS App Store. Space Wolf is a tactical strategy game based on the world of the infamous tabletop game. focuses on its sort of Nordic-themed Space Marine Legion called Space Wolves. Hold on one sec. There's about to be a lot of noise in the next room, and I don't want it to overlap with my voice, so we can edit it out. What's happening? Oh, they're putting Edgar to bed. Always a dangerous time. It is. You don't let him stay up with Pop and drink beer and record profanity-laden <laughs> podcasts? <laughs> no, but his aunt's coming over later. Going back to, never mind, the terrible joke I made at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> 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 Stay tuned for the end of our podcast to learn more about that. <laughs> All right. So the developers want you to think this game is XCOM meets Hearthstone, but it fails to live up to either of those games' level mm. of polish and depth. You know, it's it's an adequate game, and the production values are very high. But the mission design and the overall gameplay and a couple other elements that I'll go into later just reek of the by-the-numbers mobile development that we've all grown to not love. And when I say the production values are high, I mean that the game looks great. Like, the overall aesthetics and menu designs, it all fits nicely with the theme. The character designs are really faithful recreations of their one-inch counterparts from the tabletop world, and there's a decent variety in the designs of all the soldiers and the enemies that you'll fight. Even when the game zooms in on the gruesome slow-motion kills, everything looks really good, including this, the smatterings of brain matter that go flying. The core gameplay of Space Wolf involves taking a small team of Space Marines onto your typical grid-based map that's trying to not look like a grid-based map and fulfilling one main objective, which is generally kill bad guys, and then one optional objective like retrieve this loot, or something like that. Each soldier on your side has a customizable deck of cards that they bring into battle, and then the cards are randomly dealt. And you select from this deck either a movement, attack, or some type of special ability, and then your character performs the action. And there's an impressive variety of weapons on all the cards. There's axes, bolt guns, flamethrowers, rocket launchers, so I never felt lacking in choices for blowing the faces off of my opponents. Different cards carry different point values called effort. So something like a rocket launcher attack is going to require more effort than a pistol attack. If your opponent uses cards with less effort than you, they can move again sooner and vice versa. So going into battle with your gigantic missile launching machete guns or flame throwing lightning axes isn't really a smart strategy. So I commend the developers for sort of this interesting mechanic. It was a smart move, I guess. What I don't commend them for is the, <laughs> the gameplay, I guess. The, the sharp increase in difficulty overall, pretty much resulting in a pay-for-better-stuff-or-you're-screwed scenario. 
I actually can't tell if the game's AI is programmed to be pure evil or if the mission designs just aren't very well thought out. All in all, I'm like one more failed mission away from just quitting the game forever. I mean, yes, characters and your cards or weapons can be leveled up to make my life easier, but grinding for levels in this game is not fun. It's very rare that grinding is fun in any game. I don't know how I had patience to breed a gold chocobo in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Space Wolf's performance is worth mentioning. Don't even think about playing this game on anything less than an iPhone 5S. I can't imagine how it would run. The time it takes from selecting an action in the game to it actually happening can be up to like two seconds. And I don't know, it feels longer when it's the AI's turn. And you can push a fast-forward button and move up the enemy's turns, but it seems like it only speeds up the action. It doesn't speed up their decision-making or the discrepancy between when the action is selected and when it goes into play. So that slows down the game significantly. Also be warned, this download is huge. It's like almost a full gig for the whole game, and it requires a constant internet connection to play. So, yeah. What? Yeah, if you think playing on Wi-Fi is slow, just wait until you try playing it on 4G with only two bars of service in the break room of work. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And all in all, I, I really liked Space Wolf and was certainly impressed by it in the beginning, but after having to replay several missions because of BS design decisions, it's hard to recommend it. You know what? Tell you what. Download it, play the first couple missions, and then delete it. And you'll probably <laughs> like it a lot. That's disappointing. Yeah. Once again, production values are really high, so, I mean, it's nice to look at. And those slow motion kills are crazy. Like, it's it's a lot like if you've played Mortal Kombat 9, there's these special attacks you can do that, like, x-ray the opponents and go into slow motion and show the internal damage that you're doing. So you'll, like, shoot a guy in the head, and it'll slow down and zoom in on his x-ray of his face, and you'll see his skull shatter and his brains come out. Even with all that, the game design, it just seems like it's setting you up to fail. The placement of the troops, the layouts of the levels. To attack an enemy, you basically have to be facing it and within a certain number of squares, depending on the weapon. But if they move a little bit, and then it's your turn, and you're not facing them anymore, you have to use up effort points just to even turn your character. So it sets you back like a full move just to be in facing the right direction to attack. There's a lot of gameplay and design things that I don't love about this game, that even with purchasing this Terminator armor and all this other stuff that you can get with DLC, it's going to be hard to finish the game, I think. So be warned, but I mean, it's worth checking out. It's probably the best Warhammer game that I've played. I've, I've only played a handful, but I don't know. They all suck, I guess. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, I have a question for you, Kevin. What do you get when you combine... The video games, Dragon Quest IX, Animal Crossing, Monster Hunter, The Elder Scrolls, and Fantasy Star Online. A massive erection. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you get? I would call that fantasy life. Woo! Ding, ding, ding. That sounds like a ringing endorsement. I'm erect. We need to hear more. <laughs> well, great. We're all ready to go then. <laughs> <laughs> All we need is our aunt. <laughs> Stay tuned to the end of the episode to figure out that joke. <laughs>
Fantasy Life. It's a game for the Nintendo 3DS, developed by Level 5. And yeah, like Mark said, it's a strange amalgamation of a bunch of different genres and games that are also sort of strange experiences in and of themselves, like Animal Crossing. I'm actually sort of at a loss for where to begin describing this game. It feels sort of like an MMO without the bullshit people aspect of it. The basic premise of it is you take on what would in other games be called like a job or a class. In this game, it's called a life. And those lives are things such as hunter, paladin, mercenary, you know, the combat classes. You can also take on vocational classes such as tailor or cook or angler. All of these lives mix together in a way that they all complement each other. All of them have different benefits to offer each other. They're, they're all interestingly balanced, and they all have some kind of answer for however you want to play it. For example, I tend to be more of an MMO-style player, so I like to have the ability to engage in combat and not get my ass kicked, but I also enjoyed crafting in World of Warcraft, so I went out and mined and then did blacksmithing. So, you know, I create my own armor, I create my own weaponry. There's really no right way to go about doing it. You can focus on one class, you can multitask by like switching your life up on a pretty regular basis. You can power level after you've been going for a while. Like for example, after mining for quite some time, I was able to go from a fledgling blacksmith to an adept one in almost no time at all because mm. I just had all of the materials already to craft everything. Crafting is handled in a little mini game where you have to do things like mash the A button or time strikes with your A button. It's all use of the A button, so it's nothing too complicated. And it's nothing that's like a rhythm game like uh, Weapon Shop de Omase was. Yeah. The cool thing is, like, everything in the game that you craft has some sort of use, like cooking. The food restores your hit points and also temporarily gives you a buff of some attribute that seems to make sense for, like, whatever it is that you're eating. Like, vegetable dishes tend to give you bonuses to intelligence, which is just to say that vegetarians are more intelligent than your average human being. That's what I'm talking about. I see. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I, I sort of like that beer is in the game, but they call it barley juice, and it gives you a bonus to luck. Which I find to generally be the opposite. Your chances of getting lucky increase. I suppose that's possible, but isn't that just because you lower your standards? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It encourages risky behavior, which I think is thematically appropriate. There you go. Yeah, that's true. There are several different regions of the world. All of them are very archetypical of other role-playing games. They're all very distinctive. There's, you know, the desert, the mountain, the the grasslands, which is like the opening area. And every life gets challenges to complete that are consistent with that class. So like a hunter will have to kill certain creatures, and part of that involves hunting, although usually the monsters aren't that hard to find. Mm. I've only had a couple that have been sort of tricky. Just wait until you start fishing. That's when it gets annoying. I'm excited to try fishing. I haven't tried it out yet. I mastered hunting and mining today. And 
just started woodcutting. A woodcutter, they chop down trees, and wood can be used in blacksmithing for certain materials like making shields. It's just really interesting how all of the classes interact. Yeah. What I like about the crafting system, and it was very notably different from World of Warcraft for me, is that you don't have to grind endlessly to get materials that you need. Like in World of Warcraft, you would need you know ridiculous quantities of copper and uh, iron ore to like get to the next level. Fantasy Life just doesn't do that. Like, I found myself consistently with far more materials than I actually needed to advance, and that was refreshing. Yeah. It makes the game a joy to play instead of a chore. And yeah. really, who wants to have a job when they're playing an epic fantasy game? Every single World of Warcraft player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did that for a couple of years. No, I remember. What I like is the experience system. Mm-hmm. It's sort of similar to, like, Skyrim. You know, you have your typical experience-based leveling system in the game. Perform this many actions or kill this many enemies. You get experience points, then you level up, then you can distribute those points to whatever attributes you want. But then there's also, on top of that, another leveling system that just makes so much more sense. That it's it's based on what you use. So if you cut down a lot of trees, you're going to level up cutting down trees. If you Mm -hmm. run a lot, like Kevin, you're going to get your sprinting way the heck up and your friends, when they play online with you, aren't going to be able to keep up with you. (laughs) I love that approach to leveling. I like that as well. My dagger skill is really high because that's what I tend to use the most. I found that I really enjoyed the alchemy life a lot. It's a really hard class to level up because the materials tend to be a little more rare, particularly with the accessory crafting. Like, they usually want you to have rare gems that unreliably drop. But, like, if that's a problem for you, you can do things like increase your luck stat or equip materials that give you a boost in luck. It's, like, all of the systems seem to work really well in terms of, like, the leveling and the questing and objectives being fairly clear and not a chore to accomplish. Sounds delightful. All of that without the 13-year-old wankers running around online ganking you (laughs) when you're in the middle of a fight with a giant boss. I think I said this to you, Mark, off of the show, but Mm -hmm. this game is so much like Monster Hunter, but it removed that ridiculous weapon sharpening mechanic, and I knew that I would love Monster Hunter if they did that, and this is evidence of that. (laughs) Yep. Oh well. I'll still review Monster Hunter 4 when it comes out in the spring. That's fine. I won't play it. (laughs) (laughs) Not until they take out that weapon sharpening. Also, it wouldn't hurt if they put a coat of cute paint on it. Oh, you think it's ugly? Monster Hunter? No, I don't think it's ugly, but I think that Fantasy Life is adorable. It is, but one of my few complaints with the game is that supposedly Yoshitaka Amano, famous for Final Fantasy 1 through what? 9 or 10? Amazing artist did the character designs, and they're very Muppet-y. <laughs> I don't know what he's up to, but I don't love the designs that much. It's just so different coming from him. That's my complaint. If it was anybody else, it probably wouldn't bother me. It's very Professor Layton-y. Yeah, I love that art style, and I love it in this game. I think it works really well with the tone of the story. That's another thing that, yeah. that needs to be mentioned, is the localization is amazing. It is, but the characters are so long-winded. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, like, the the dialogue is well-written. It's almost all puns. I'm mad that nobody offered me the job of writing the localization. <laughs> because that's basically my dream job, is to sit and make <laughs> shitty jokes all day. You're, you're going to be a great uncle. 
<laughs> not gonna be. Already am. Well, and I'm not an ant, so we don't have to worry about anything. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's keep away from that for the time being. I was, I was trying to be complimentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cutscenes, though, I think are gorgeous. Oh, you yeah. wa- watching them in 3D is mm-hmm. mind blowing. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like Miyazaki-level animation. It's beautiful. If they had used an art style more like the Final Fantasy series, I don't think that the lighthearted tone of the game would work. No, you're right. I don't think they could be like as over-the-top silly. Like, the mining master that you work under, who messes up his speech all the time. Like, all of the NPCs have these little idiosyncrasies that just give them so much character. They're definitely not very lifelike because they're just so over-the-top. Sure. But they're but they're memorable. Yeah, my complaint isn't necessarily the art style, it's just that the art style was done by someone who I, whose art style I love mm-hmm. and that I've bought books of, and it's disappointing coming from him. But it's not disappointing... If it fits the game perfectly, if it was anyone else in the world, I'd be like, the game's cute, it looks great. But the fact that this person has such a different art style and well-established art style, it's like weird to me. We've already spent way too much time on it. But also, Nobuo Uematsu did the music, and it's not his best work. Most of it is highly forgettable. At its worst, it's grating. Yeah, it is. I mean, this guy could perform miracles with Nintendo and Super Nintendo hardware you know, music. Mm-hmm. And... In this day and age, kind of a swing and a miss here. Although, the the quality of the audio is impressive. Like, it is some of the crispest, cleanest audio I have heard on the 3DS. It's, especially with those speakers, it's pretty crazy. Despite the, the good localization and the clever writing, like the dialogue for the characters, the story, nothing to, nothing to write home about. You know, after chapter three, I'm kind of like, I'm just gonna do all the lives in the game. <laughs> Yeah, I I haven't advanced the story in probably about five days now. The game really shines in experiencing the lives and the different ways each of them work, like the mechanics of everything. I found that trying to tank as a tailor doesn't work out so well. (laughs) Mark and I played on Friday night. We did some questing together. For like four hours. Yeah, he was a hunter, I was a tailor. And I, w- I would distract the monsters while he filled them with arrows <laughs> because he was the heavy DPS and I was just this, you know, guy with no attack power wielding a dagger. <laughs> and I was just getting the shit beaten out of me constantly. Yeah, even though he was 10 levels above me. Yeah, I really needed to be a paladin or something like that. Yeah. Something that could equip like a heavier class of armor. It was... So good. By the way, yes, there's online multiplayer for up to, what, three people? Yeah. That was one of the biggest things for me for this game. Playing with Kevin on Friday night, the like the funniest thing that happened was we were just like, we were just kept going. Like mm-hmm. places we had never been before, exploring new areas, getting beat up a little bit, dying a lot. We got to this one area where there was like treasure room. What, what was it called? I I don't remember. It was something like that, though. It was a very blatant, like, there's a lot of good stuff in here. But it was locked, and you had to kill, like, a golden dragon to get through it. We were doing zero damage to it. And the dragon isn't hostile. I was dancing around it, like, hitting it with my dagger, doing no damage to it. And suddenly, I dealt a critical hit unexpectedly. And (laughs) the dragon 
aggroed because, like, I dealt one point of damage to it on a critical hit. <laughs> and just, like, beat the shit out of me. I had to, like, run for the door. Mark's already running. And then we both just book it down this hallway. And it was just almost like a cut. It felt like a cut scene. Just Kevin and I running towards the camera <laughs> as fast as we possibly could away from this giant golden dragon. One of the things about this game, I love exploring places and like the exploration is so much fun i haven't been that excited about something like that in a long time like probably since a link to the past yeah the world's not huge like azeroth or skyrim but it's still just like fun to explore there are a lot of little nooks and crannies that you can miss and temples and stuff like that that you can yeah. go into like full of hostile enemies i just kept thinking of something like oh man i really want to see what's in there yeah it's rewarding to explore you get into some really tight situations and especially in online multiplayer, when you get into a challenge that's like way over your head and somehow you prevail, it feels yeah. incredible. That being said, um, a game like this really needs native voice chat. Yes. Mark and I were on speakerphone for four hours on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank goodness for unlimited calls on my, my, my cell phone plan. That's fantastic that you have a story like that to come out of playing a game. That's what multiplayer gaming is all about. Oh yeah, like the last time I had something that exciting was World of Warcraft. Well, Emers, it's not too late. You could get it too. Unfortunately, I'm broke. Uh... What are you talking about, broke? You just done got that open mic money, son. I know, and I, I don't want to spend it on video games. Fair enough. I should, though. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to know what level monsters are before I, like, yeah. jump in and attack them. But but also, that's part of the fun. Like, I wouldn't have attacked that golden dragon if I'd seen what level it was. Yeah. Half of the situations we got into on Friday night, I would have never gotten into if I if I saw, like, oh, they're, like, ten levels higher than us. Well, fuck this. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, they do have a, a different system where there's, like, a little crown next to their name. Yeah. We'll call them boss characters. They're scattered throughout the world. Like, sometimes they'll have a silver crown, which by level, like, 10 or 15, you can probably take them down. But then you get up, and you'll have, next to their name, it'll have, like, a very colorful, jeweled crown. You're like, okay, I kind of know not to mess with this guy right now. But you still don't know exactly how powerful they are, or if you're going to do any damage at all. The crown system does fluctuate quite a bit. Like, there were some silver crown monsters that I had no problems with, and others, like, I had a pretty tough time with. Like, I could still take them, but one of them is a pushover versus the other that, that like, requires some intelligent playing and good dodging. What's been your favorite life so far? Probably Alchemist. I really enjoy making potions and, and bombs and accessories. What about you? Hunter. I, I love Hunter, which is basically Archer. That was a lot of fun to be as be them because especially once you master them and you get more powerful bows and more powerful attacks, like it's a really cool class that keeps you out of harm's way and you can still do decent damage. Today though, I started playing as angler, which is like a fisherman, and that's literally all you can do just to give it that kind of Animal Crossing vibe. After all the questing and all the adventurous stuff and everything, just kind of like slow the game down a little bit. That being said, it's it's still not very slow. Like you still can get attacked while you're fishing and all that kind of thing. Fishing is so similar to Animal Crossing. Blacksmithing has very obvious benefits to combat because you can make weapons and armor. But the the class of tailor 
in the game exists basically just Animal Crossing type shit where you're just like dressing yourself up in an outfit, you're making decorations for your house, like stuff like that. You can make teddy bears or stuffed camels or stuffed turtles that like wow. don't do anything other than just decorate your room. And it's kind of a nice touch because it, it, it encourages you to play in whatever way you want to play. Yep. So, like, an Animal Crossing fan could play this game and never experience anything other than Taylor and be perfectly happy. Although, it's worth mentioning that to get the better items, to make the better items, you are going to need to progress the story. You are going to need to, like, level up and get past certain points. That's true. But it's very light on mandatory combat. Yes. You can run away from basically anything. There, there are a couple of points in some of the ruins or the dungeons or the caves that you have to go through where, like, you have to kill some monsters to progress, but that's not extremely common. With the exception of, like, that giant temple we were in on Friday night where they had, like, all the mummies and everything. Yeah. Overall, Fantasy Life is the most fun I've had with a 3DS game in a while, which means that it's the most fun I've had with a portable game in a while. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. I'm super tempted to go buy it now. You're you're killing me, man. I I really think you ought to get it on this World of Warcraft without the bullshit, plus Animal Crossing. Oh, the leveling system of Skyrim, the the collection aspect of Monster Hunter. It's good. Definitely in my top, probably three 3DS games. I have had a hard time putting it down. How does it have like good end game content? We don't know. We haven't gotten there. Kevin probably, the number of hours he's putting into the game, finished the main story by now, but that's just not what this game's about. Yeah. That story is kind of just blah, and the lives in the game that you have available to you are amazing in every single way. You'll probably even enjoy reading all of the dialogue for probably, like, the first ten hours. (laughs) It's just after that, it gets a little old. That's all I really have to say about it. I'm tapped out kind of just want to play it more i know (laughs) (laughs) it's way better than bravely default let me tell you that oh my gosh bravely default biggest disappointment of the year really let's wait till our end of the year episode (laughs) Mm, yeah what else could possibly be a bigger disappointment my hand job from your aunt (laughs) 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 oh i think i think that's our cue to wrap this episode up yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, now that we have the the ending clip to end the episode i don't know how to end the episode i never know how to end them either with a happy ending from your aunt oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well in most cases you're not blood relatives so i mean i would say half of the cases maybe i know <laughs> okay fine i i come from a family where it was all boys so i'm a sexist pig there you go i'm just kidding i'm gonna stop recording good night thanks for listening everybody go over to portablepower.popularoutcast.com clear your cookies or use incognito mode do the shopping that you'd normally do we'll get a small cut of whatever it is you spend at no additional cost to you help us get noticed go over to itunes rate review and subscribe to the portable power podcast get in touch with us maybe you'd like to send us a game review request or your own answer to our question of the week you can email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or use facebook facebook.com 
facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast or get in touch with us on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Drink responsibly and listen to the next episode of the Portable Power Podcast so you can witness what happens when people don't. Do we have an interesting intro? I kind of tried to think of something, but nothing nothing really came to mind. All I came up with was the podcast equivalent of being jerked off by your aunt. But... <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't we doing that? <laughs> Because I couldn't really make the connection to why it's the podcast equivalent of that. It just <laughs> was the most horrifying, disgusting thing I could think of. Yeah. I don't know if we should conspire to be, like, getting a handjob from your aunt just so that we can use that line. <laughs> what is getting a handjob from your aunt like? I... It would be really weird. I hope to awful. never find out. <laughs> it would be the worst. <laughs> She's just maintaining eye contact the entire time. <laughs> I'm visualizing my aunt right now, and it's not pleasant. You did this to me. You did this to me.